I pray that we would listen today. You say that boldly, that we would listen. We, we know we don't listen with just our ears and our eyes, but we have to pay close attention to think and pray. And, and we pray, Lord, today that you would give us ears to hear as you, you proclaim. Let anyone who has ears to hear, we pray that you would give us those ears by your, your grace to have understanding of this parable that's pretty easy to understand, but, but there's a spiritual meaning behind it, Lord, that is hidden Unless your grace comes in, Lord. Unless you, your spirit gives us understanding, Lord. We, we pray that we would have understanding. Lord, we pray that you would change our hearts and our minds, Lord. That they would be submitted to you as king. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a, a seat. So, what... Brief introduction, what Mark has been doing here, week after week after week, he has been just telling us about the good news of the gospel, right? And Mark has been telling us the good news is that Jesus is king, right? That Jesus has come to bring his messianic rule. He's the promised Savior, and that's good news. He's the king coming to, to restore God's kingdom on earth. And, and then he's demonstrating as he, as he tells us these, these carefully crafted stories, he's decided which stories I'm going to tell to illustrate the authority of Jesus as Lord and King. And even Jesus himself is, is announcing, repent and believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? So all we see is kingdom one week after the other as we, as we go through this, this scripture. And we also see last week we we saw a great warning. We saw the, the family of Jesus. We saw the, the Pharisees were, were on the outside. And Jesus' true spiritual family were near him. And he, and he told them that my true family are the, those who do my will. Right? Those who repent and believe and do my will. And so I see today as, as a, another warning. And you're going to hear this over and over. Listen. He who has ears, let him hear. It's, it's, a, it's a theme all through this, the, these four uh, parables that we're going to look at. And today we're also getting a, the second Markin sandwich. If you weren't here last week, I described what a Markin sandwich is. is a, it's, a, it's a writing style. It's a style of writing that Mark uses nine times to illustrate a story. And so what he does is, if you think about the main story as the two pieces of bread... He inserts another little story in there, right? Another something in the middle of that to illustrate the bread, right? So the meat is the, the story that he's illustrating. And you're going to see he does that here in, in the parable of the sower to fully bring out greater meaning and to understand why Jesus is speaking in parables. So let's, let's get moving on this today. The first part that I just read was the parable of the sower, verses 1 through 9. The setting is Jesus is in a boat. He's teaching. There's this very large crowd around him, right? Jesus is very popular at this time, and, and people are, are wanting to get near. They're pressing in on him, and I, I imagine he gets in the boat to have a little space to be able to, to teach. And so he's sitting in the boat, and, and you notice he says, listen, right? And it's an exclamation point. Listen, right? He, he's declaring something important, and then he follows up with, behold, 
Right? Listen, behold, he's, he's doubly emphasizing, pay close attention. Right? Don't miss this. And he tells us these, of these four seeds. Right? We see the first seed is the soil that falls on the path. Uh, uh, it, the, the birds come in and, and devour it quickly. We see the, the seed that falls on the rocky ground. It grows up, but it, the sun scorches it because it has no soil. We see the, the third seed is the seed that falls among the thorns, right? And it, it endures for a little while, but it's choked away by the thorns. And we see the fourth seed, right? It falls on good soil, and it produces a great yield, 30, 60, 90 fold return. This was a great return, right? A, a tenfold return for, for a crop in those days would have been, they would have been celebrated. That would have been a, great, a good return. But this, this returns 30, 60, 90. This is an amazing return. Another thing to pay close attention to in this parable is, is you see that the sower sows lavishly, right? This sower doesn't sow like any other farmer would have farmed in Jesus' day. Right, a farmer in Jesus' day would have would paid close attention not to just throw seed out there and waste it. Right? They would have prepared their soil and, and they would have paid close attention to where the seed lands. But this sower is, is throwing seed everywhere. Right? And then Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we'll come back to that idea. So he just he just throws that out there. Right? And the next scene we see here is, is the meat of the mark and sandwich. It's the setting of a later time when Jesus is alone with his disciples. And they're asking Jesus to explain the parables, right? They're not getting it. What's the true spiritual meaning behind it? And so Jesus says, this is a very hard saying, what Jesus says here. This is hard. And Jesus says hard things because Jesus says true things. He doesn't just say fluffy statements that, that we want to hear, but Jesus says hard things that are true. All right, and so he says in verse 12, this is key, to why is he speaking in parables? You might want to look at it. He says, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. All right, and so I, I would say, there's two way, reasons Jesus is speaking in parables, but the, the primary one and the one he highlights here is, is that so that they can see and hear but not perceive and understand. Right? He's using parables so that those who have hardened their hearts against him could see and hear, right? They can understand the general meaning of, of this story, but they can't perceive it. They can't understand the true spiritual meaning behind what Jesus is saying. And so, it, so what Jesus is doing when he's using the parables is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of judgment. It's a sign, it's a, it's a judgment against those who have hardened their hearts against Jesus, right? If they're hardened towards Jesus and they don't believe him, they don't even care to, to listen closely and want to know what's the true spiritual meaning behind this, right? They just hear it and Jesus is crazy. I don't believe him anyway. Their hearts are hardened, and, and, and so they can't understand it. They don't get it, right? And we know it's judgment because it says, lest they turn and be forgiven, right? These are not my elect. 
And so I don't, I don't give them the ears to hear and the, and the eyes to see so that, so, so that they would go into judgment. Right? That's a hard, hard truth. And we also see it's, Jesus uses it, these parables, to draw others to himself. Right? That those who listen closely, right, that, that behold, and those who have ears to hear are drawn in closer to Jesus to, to come and, and his disciples ask him, Jesus, what, what do these things really mean? What are you, what are you trying to communicate? Right? So, so those who are hardened are, are pushed away even greater. Right? God not doing anything to them. He's, he's letting them go where they want to go. And those who are, are soft-hardened, those who are good soil, are, are drawn in more to Jesus, drawn closer. And, and you know, this is a, not a new doctrine for us. This is the doctrines of, of grace. Sometimes we call them doctrines of grace, or we call them the doctrines of predestination and election, right? It's that God chooses who he's going to save, right? That God saves some, and God has salvation belongs to God, and God can save anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that's what Jesus is doing. And so a lot of people, when they hear this doctrine, right, that, that, God, that God saves, they want to cry out that that's not fair. That's not fair. Why doesn't God just give everyone ears to hear and, and eyes to see? And I think the first thing you've got to understand is that God's not doing evil to anyone. God's simply letting them go where they want to go. And, and God's rescuing some, Right? And, and so the, the argument that it's not fair is the worst par- possible argument that you can make before God, right? It's the worst argument you can make before God because the essence of what grace is is that it's not fair, right? So when you think about grace, think about it this way. Think about you're standing before God on your own in your sin, right? We all stand before the judgment scene of God. The father's on the throne, he's the judge, he strikes down the gavel, and he says, you're guilty, right? You've sinned, you've fallen short of the glory. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, so, so you're guilty, and what you deserve is eternal condemnation. That's what's fair, right? And grace is Jesus standing up and saying, hey, I paid for that, right? That's what God's grace is. I paid for that, so I'm not going to give Joel or Josue or Chris what's fair. Right? I'm not going to give them what they deserve. That's grace, right? because they deserve condemnation. But grace even goes further than that. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Right? It doesn't give us what we do deserve, the negative, and then it gives us what we don't deserve, the positive. Right? Because not only does does Jesus just let us go free and forgive us? But Jesus gives us the righteousness of Christ, right? When God looks at us, righteous, holy, just like Jesus. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit, right? God actually comes and, and dwells in the, in the life of a believer. And God keeps going further than that, right? Now he adopts us into his family, right? That's not fair. We don't deserve God's grace, none of us. So we can never cry, not, not fair, because we're, you're, that you're crying against God's grace. Because the only thing that is not fair is that God would save anyone. 
Right? No one deserves God's grace. Right? And yet God is, is gracious and loving and, and saves many who don't deserve it. Right? And, that, and that's how amazing God is. And if, right, that's the essence of grace, right, that it's unearned and it's undeserved, fa- favor from God. And, and if anyone can cry not fair, the only one that can cry not fair is Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the only one that really got what wasn't fair. All, all, all of us deserve condemnation before God, yet Jesus got what wasn't fair, right? The sinless, the holy, the perfect one went to the cross, and he received what wasn't fair so that we could get what we don't deserve, which is grace, right? And, and so that's, that's what I think the, this purpose of the parable is here, is Jesus is just saying, hey, it's, it's judgment to the hard-hearted, those who have turned away, the, that don't want to listen, and it's, and it's grace to those who would listen closely and, and, and have ears to hear. All right, so we see the second part of the parable. We see the parable of the sower explained. And we see that the sower is Jesus, but the sower can also, the word that it's using there can mean for anyone who sows the good news of the gospel. Right? So is Jesus and anyone who, who spreads the, the good news out. And the seed is, is the gospel of the kingdom. Right? The seed is the, the good news that Jesus is king. And, and you notice here that all the seed is good seed. All the seed in this parable, and I'm not reading that second parable because it's, it's the same thing. I'm just, and it's explained. But the, the, notice that all the seed is good. The problem isn't with the seed. The problem is with the soils. And the soils rep- represent human hearts. And three of the four soils, three of the four soils produce no fruit, right? Three of the four. They hear the good news, and they bear no fruit. So we see in verse 15, we get, we get the seed on the path. It tells us in, in verse 15 that Satan immediately comes and, and takes away the word that is sown on them, right? So the good news goes out. They hear it. They're so hard-hearted and hard-headed and stubborn that Satan immediately takes it away from them. Verse, the, verse 16, we see the seed on the, the rocky ground, and it tells us that they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So right, the rocky soil, they, they get the word, and, and they receive it with joy. They appear like they're Christians, but as soon as it gets hard, right? As soon as trial and, and tribulation and suffering comes, right? They're scorched because they didn't really have true faith anyway, right? They, they just came to, to the gospel to see if Jesus can give me a happy, healthy, wealthy life. And when it's not, it's not uh, bringing them their American dream or their health and wealth, they're out of here. The third person. There's a seed sown among the thorns. It's in verse 18. It says here that at the end of 18, they hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Right? So these are people that are just kind of in the church, 
probably, or just trying to be good, good people, but their life isn't centered on Christ. It's centered on things of the world, maybe sinful and bad and, or even good things, but they just get caught up in living their own life. Their life is their self-centered life, and, and the, the word proves unfruitful. They're choked, they're choked by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things. And so what you'll notice here is that those three seeds, they, they bear no fruit, and even what they have is taken away, right? Their seed is taken away, and it's taken away by Satan, by trials and tribulations, and, and worldly living, and only one bears fruit, right? To those who receive the gospel, they, they bear fruit. They bear great fruit in their lives, right? The good soil. Verse 20 says, they hear the word, they accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and a, and a hundredfold, right? So that's what the, the point here is, is those who have ears to hear, they produce fruit 30, 60, 90, right? They, they bear fruit and they, and they don't fall away, right? The good soil, God's people who he saves. Don't fall away. This is a genuine conversion. These are people who God has graciously given ears to hear and, and, and the, the ability to respond. God has, has drawn them to himself. And they do God's will, right? They, they repent and believe in Jesus. So this next parable in verse 21 I'm not going to read it. I want to just describe it. Just don't have a lot of time. But uh, it's a lamp under a basket. And it really, it reiterates the first parable. You're going to see it's, it's totally Jesus is saying the same thing in a different way. He says that a lamp is not meant to be hidden, right? A lamp is not meant to be covered up or put under a bed, right? A lamp is meant to, to shine. A lamp is meant to, to push out the dark areas and bring light. And Christ is shining the light of the glory of God brightly, right? Christ is shining right now, and it doesn't shine any brighter than, than when he's hanging on that cross, right? The glory of God is, is being revealed, that God is both a, a God of wrath and justice. He hates sin, but that he also loves sinners, and he's a God of grace, right? We see these, these both sides of God, that God is love. And it doesn't shine any brighter than, than his resurrection in the cross. And also, gospel proclamation in this age that we live in today is like a lamp, right? That, that drives out the dark areas of sin in people's lives and in this world, right? The light's meant to shine brightly. And again, you'll notice in this, this, this verse here, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention. Listen closely. Don't miss this. You've got to really think about this. Get, get your mind. Use your mind right now. Right? He says, those who listen closely to Jesus will receive more. Right? And those who don't listen, even what they have is taken away from them. Verse 25. Someone who already has the knowledge of God's word and understand it, they're going to receive more. And... 20, the second part of 25, someone who doesn't listen carefully, even what they have will be taken away. And that's the whole concept 
of the, the parable of the sower, right? The, the first three, they receive the seed. But even what they have is taken away because they don't take careful attention to listen closely and receive Jesus as the king of their life. And so this is, and then the fourth listens closely and bears fruit for God and his kingdom. So this is just a a reinforcement. Uh, The person who welcomes God's rule and God's presence will receive more light. Right? God will, will come in and, and transform our lives and we'll sur- continually surrender more and more of our lives and, and God's going to continually use us in, in other people's lives to bear fruit for his kingdom. And the person who doubts God and depends on his own resources, right, continues to, to try to pridefully control their lives and, and do it their own way, right, even what they have is going to be taken away. So that's a, I mean, that's just, that's, Jesus is warning us just like he did last week, right? Don't miss this. Don't stay on the outside in unbelief and doubt, right, and rejection of me. Receive me as king is what Jesus is saying. Repent, believe in the gospel. Then we get two kingdom parables. And I think this is a, a, a continual part of Jesus' warning. He's, he's, he's helping them, trying to help them understand the reality of, of what's coming and why this is so urgent to receive Jesus as your king. And these two parables are, are kingdom parables. And they're parables that tell us about God's kingdom, right? So the, we got the first parable is the parable of the seed growing. In this parable, we see the farmer sleeps, and at night... The, the seed grows without any human invention, intervention. It grows automatically, not by human power, not by human strength, but, but it grows, and we don't know how. And so what God's saying is, is that his kingdom is growing, right? That human beings, we don't bring God's kingdom. We don't advance God's kingdom. God's kingdom is growing without human intervention, in ways that we don't know. And so God's bringing his kingdom in his timing, right? And it tells us here that the kingdom grows like this. In verse 28, it says, first the blade, then the ear, then full grain in the ear. So it's growing slowly. And this went against the popular expectation in Jesus' day that the kingdom of God would come all at once. The, the, the Jews, the, the people that were expecting God's kingdom were expecting it to come, God to come in force. They're expecting God to strike down his enemies, which was their enemies, right? They thought that he was going to strike down the Roman oppression, right? And restore Israel to their glory days and, and make it like the good old days, right? And, but God had, had greater plans than just small in Israel, God has a kingdom and, and, and had plans for the whole world, his whole creation. And, and he, it was slow, and, and it's, it's coming in his timing. And that's part of the reason they, they have so much time. They struggle, the Jews struggle accepting Jesus because he's not coming in the ways that they expect him. They want a, a, a conquering king, right, a, a king that come bring war. And so Jesus is showing, hey, the rule of God starts small, 
and insignificant, and it's going to keep growing and keep growing until it reaches its, its glorious culmination, right, and the final restoration of all things. When Jesus returns, right, strikes down his enemies, the first time Jesus comes in peace, and the second time in Revelation 19, we see Jesus coming to, to make war on his enemies, right? And it, and it tells us that he does away with evil, sin, and death, and suffering all for once, and, and his kingdom comes down to earth, right? But the kingdom will advance until that final glorious day, which he's pointing to, right? And here you'll see he, he talks about until the, the sickle, until the harvest, Right? These are metaphors for God's last judgment, right? That's a, the second coming of Christ where he'll bring his, his final judgment. He'll separate, other, other parables tell us, he'll say it like this, he separates the wheat from the weeds, right? He separates his true people, his sheep, from the goats, right? And, and, and the, the parables all point to the, the, the judgment of sinners, right? And they're burned away like chaff. They're, they're sent into final condemnation, eternal condemnation. And yet his people are brought into his glorious kingdom to, to dwell with God for all of eternity. And that's what this, he's pointing to, right? And if, if that's a reality, we better listen, right? We better pay close attention. This is reality. This is what's coming. And Jesus is, is warning them of this. So, final parable, parable of the mustard seed. Again, this is, a, a, again, to illustrate the messianic rule. Starts in a small, unnoticed way and grows big and, and fills the whole earth. The, the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds and would grow into this huge bush. And so that's what Jesus is saying about his kingdom, right? It starts small and significant, but it's going to be this this huge thing that will fill all the earth. And the birds will, will find rest in its shade. This picture of, of God's kingdom will be, bring rest, bring that final rest. It'll bring shalom, peace. It'll be like God has always intended it to be. Right? God's going to restore it all. He'll be our God. We'll be his people. Restored to relationship with God. Restored to relationship with mankind. We're no longer sinful, sinfully broken, sinning against ourselves, and, and the creation will no longer be broken, right? And, and that's what's going to happen when, when Jesus returns. And so uh, what Jesus is showing us about the kingdom is the kingdom is already, but not yet. Now, this is an important distinction to understand about the kingdom. It's an already, but not yet kingdom. Now, what the already is, Jesus is already King. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? Jesus is declaring, I am king and all authority is mine. Right? And he's ruling and reigning now. He's ruling and reigning over the whole universe. Right? He's king over our hearts and our lives. Yet, there's no throne. We don't see a castle. Right? We, don't, we know it's not fully here yet, but he's already king. But it's also a not yet kingdom, right? It's not yet. It hasn't fully been brought in. It hasn't fully, fully been consummated. And it won't be fully consummated until Jesus returns, right? And there's that great harvest, the, the judgment. And the kingdom of heaven comes down to earth. 
and, and, and that's what we're waiting for. That's what we place our hope in, that one day, even though we suffer now and it's hard now, we got, we got eternity to look for and forward to in God's kingdom. And so it's a not yet kingdom. And, and one way you can think about it, and this is one of the illustrations that I think about the already but not yet nature of God's kingdom is, think about it as right now is the NBA playoffs. And one team's going to win the championship. And they're going to they're gonna be champions right there at game seven or whatever. They win that final, that final game, they're champions. But they don't get their ring until the next season. The first home game of the next season is when they do the ring ceremony, and, and it's a great celebration. All the players are there, all the fans are there, and, and they get their rings to, to, to show, you know, that they're the champions, right, to, to display all year. And so that's the way God's kingdom is, right? He, he's champion, king now, but he's waiting to, to get his final ring, his championship ring, which is in one day we don't know the day or the hour. Right? We don't know the day or the hour. He's going to come like a thief in the night. And that's why it's important to listen, to pick, pay attention to what you hear. So I got three application points to wrap up with. All right? He says, the first one is I want us to listen. Pay attention to how you hear. That's the whole warning in all of this. Right? That's the whole warning. Because right now, the light of Christ is shining brightly. Right now in this moment, you're, you're sitting here and you're hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, that he's king, and he's king that he laid down his life for sinners, right? On that cross, he suffered and died, for, and, and, and it's nothing we deserved, right? And, and then and he gloriously rose again and has all power and all authority. So his light is shining brightly, right? The seed is being cast, right, generously, lavishly. By God. And so you, you, you cannot ignore this truth. Don't be like the seed on, on the path, right? Hard-hearted, hard-headed, and just totally ignore this, right? Because what happens to that hard-headed, hard-hearted people is Satan takes away everything that they hear, right? Don't remain like the, the seed on the, on the rocky soil and believe that the Christian call is, is one to prosperity and health and wealth. Right? Jesus is calling us to trust Him through the midst of the trial and tribulations and find our strength in Him. And the Christian life's not an easy one. It's a call to, to suffer for the sake of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't fall away when things get hard. Grasp on to Christ. Don't be like uh, the, the third C, right? Which they're, they're just living a worldly life. Their life is centered around them, their own kingdom, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that they're running off in drugs and, and prostitutes, but this is a person that can just get caught up in the, the, just, the, just life, right? Just working and going to sleep and paying the bills and going on vacation, and, and they, they miss it, right? Don't miss it. Even what you have will be taken away if you don't listen closely. And we know that only by God's grace do we get ears to hear and eyes to see and to understand and to come to Him. So even pray that God would give you ears to hear. If, if, you're, if you're struggling to understand this, don't worry about, am I, am I the good soil? Just worry about, man, 
I want to come to Jesus and receive him. I need him. And if he's doing that, then you're hearing. He's giving you ears to hear. Right? Second one is, I want to ask you, what's the condition? You have to think about what's the condition of the soil of your heart. Right? Three of them, three of those soils bear no fruit. The good soil bears fruit. Are you bearing fruit in your life? Are you being transformed day by day and being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus? Right? Is he working in you? Or have you just gone kind of cold and, and complacent in your spiritual walk? Right? God wants us to be continually growing fruit and being changed. Right? We all, that's what the Christian life is all about, is being more like Jesus, being conformed to his image and likeness. And so I want to encourage you that small faithful steps, small faithful steps are even fruit. Sometimes we want to see these big glorious things, and we want to do great things for God's kingdom, but, but small faithful steps are fruit, right? So when you obey God instead of disobey Him, right? When you say no to temptation, that's, that's a sign of fruit. When you, when, you, when you choose to love your coworker, that's just a pain in the butt and he's just getting under your skin, that's fruit, right? When, when you say, you know what? Instead of watching TV every day, I'm going to start you know, laying off the TV and I'm going to go pray with my kids and pray with my wife, right? That's fruit. Those are good things. Those are things that should be celebrated, right? And, and it's just like the way you can think about it is uh, if you have young children or you have children, the, uh, think about the first time when they pooped on the toilet, right? I can think of, you know, first you're potty training. You get them to, to go in the toilet, and you're just like, yeah, you guys are celebrating and I remember little Mossy like, yay! She's all excited about everything. But it's something so small. That's something so regular, normal part of life. But it's that great thing that you cheer. Oh, my God. Oh, soon no more diapers. Right? And so those, strong, those small, faithful steps are, are things to be celebrated. Right? And you're going to, and as you continually do those, right, you're going you're gonna to be potty trained which is a bad, really bad illustration. <laughs> We're going to be potty trained in faithfulness to Christ. But, <laughs> but, but we, we, we should celebrate those things, right? Those are the things that lead to greater faithful steps in Christ. And most people, they, they just want to arrive complete, right? They don't want to take those small faithful steps that it takes to get to maturity in Christ Jesus. Right, because it, that's what it takes. Long obedience in the same direction. Right, daily, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to die to myself. I'm, I'm going to put God's will first over my own. And that's what God does he's, is he's conforming us. So we need to commit the rest of our life to growing and, and bearing fruit for God's kingdom. Commit the rest of your life to bearing fruit and growing for God's kingdom. All right. And the last one I just want to encourage you quickly is, are you sowing seed, right? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you letting your light shine to the world? That's what God has his people here in the world to do, right? We're, we're seeing in this, these parables, we're seeing Jesus' redemption, 
What Jesus does on the cross and through his resurrection, he redemption, he establishes his kingdom. And we know about the end when Jesus will return and restore all things. But what about now? Right? God has his church in the world right now to sow seed, to shine his light, to push out the areas of darkness in the world, to make his glory known. That's what the church is here for. That's why God doesn't bring it all at once forcefully because God is, is a God who's gracious. And he has plans to, to save many, many, many more people. And he's going to use his body, his believers, for that very purpose. And so that's one of the main ways that we bear fruit in this world is we, we sow seed and we be light and we're, we're pictures of God's future kingdom. And we invite people into the family. You know, invite people into the family. Just think about it that way. I want to invite people to, to come into the family of God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I, I just thank you for this parable, even though there's some things that are very hard in it. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we could accept them because you're king and, and what you say is true, even though sometimes it's hard to accept. And we pray, Lord, that we would get a better understanding of grace so we could see that we have to accept it. And, and your grace is good. And you're a good God. And we thank you that you're king, Lord. And I pray that we would surrender and bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.